Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from GuideHouse. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of FedHeads, today being brought to you by GuideHouse. GuideHouse has purchased the public sector practice of Grant Thornton. And so, while the last time I was with you, I was a Grant Thornton employee, today I'm a proud GuideHouse employee. With that, let me welcome again the incomparable Mary Redding, who has joined us for several episodes as guest host in the long quest to find a replacement from the previous host whose name will not be mentioned. And who is really irreplaceable. You're great to come back. And I'm excited for this episode. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me. So we've got Margie Graves, the partner for digital modernization strategy at IBM, and Jen Bachner with Johns Hopkins University, both of whom collaborated on an important report, Optimizing Analytics for Policymaking and Governance. We try to keep things light here at FedHeads. So that's the challenge with this meaty report. But Margie, thanks for being here. Do you want to give us a little bit of a high-level description of your report, what you found, and what some of your recommendations were? Uh, Yes, Robert. It's really Jennifer's research and report, but it is supported by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which is the not-for-profit arm of IBM that supports academic research in the areas where we find we have need for our community to understand how certain policies and legislation are being implemented. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. The two pieces of legislation and policy that underpin what Jen's report speaks to are the Evidence-Based Policy Act and the Federal-Wide Data Strategy, uh, both of which emphasize the use of data and data analytics to inform not only the shaping of policy, but also the measurement and implementation of policy. And Jen has done two iterations of a survey that has Uh, got out to the federal community and determined how agencies are implementing these two pieces of legislation and policy and what they've accomplished and also where their challenges are. And also she provides a vision of the future. So I'd like to turn it over to Jen to speak to that. Great. Sure. Thanks, Margie. And thanks for having me. Um, To give you a little bit of background about the report, uh, we've hosted a government analytics breakfast forum here at Johns Hopkins with REI System since about 2014. And the purpose of this forum has been to build a community where we discuss analytics, we talk about how analytics can be used to address challenges in the public sector. And we've heard from many leaders across government, CDOs, CIOs, chief risk officers, and others, and through these conversations and speaking events, we found that there was really no systematic analysis of how government officials are using analytics as part of their decision-making process. So my colleagues at REI Systems and I decided to conduct this survey. We surveyed about 144 folks who are working in government or with government. And we were interested in learning about the extent to which agencies rely on analytics uh, for policymaking and for decision-making, We wanted to know the tools and resources that they use and particularly the value that they obtain from using analytics. So a couple of key findings emerged from this research. We found that communicating and interpreting results is really a top focus now in analytics. In the first iteration of the survey, we found that most analysts were spending the majority of their time gathering and validating data 
But now analysts are spending most of their time making sense of that data and communicating the real world meaning of the results to leaders in government. So that was certainly what I think is a very positive finding. We also found that data quality is very high. So the majority of people in the survey expressed a very high level of confidence in the data. So people feel really good about the data that they're collecting. And the challenge now is to make sense of all of this data that the government now has. We also found that analytics is creating real value. So it's not just about complying with recent legislation that's been passed, but it's about taking this data and using it to make better policy decisions, better regulatory decisions. In addition to these key findings, we also identified some big challenges that the field is facing. We found, for example, that agencies are struggling to recruit and retain staff in this area. There's a lot of competition with the private sector, and agencies are finding that new staff really want access to cutting edge resources and analytical tools such as AI tools. They want to be able to use cloud computing tools. And they also want leaders at their organization where they work to have a data driven vision. They want to work with folks who are excited about analytics and who have a big who have big ideas about how the organization can use analytics to make positive changes and to advance the organization's mission. A second challenge somewhat relatedly is building data literacy among both leadership and staff. So it's kind of creating a stronger analytics culture, helping employees across the agency develop their analytics skills and develop confidence and their abilities to use data. And there are a few ways that agencies are trying to address this challenge. Um, they're exploring in-house trainings and of course, there are programs at universities such as Johns Hopkins that are trying to address this challenge as well. This is really fantastic. Um, and I'm so excited to, I was so excited to read it um, for, for years now, back when Margie and I worked together, um, we've been talking about data. And back then, Margie, I think you may remember we had the data cabinet, of course, under the CIO council. And um, you had such a large part in um, helping to shape shape the the mission from the CIO council perspective. Um, from that point to where we are now, it seems that it, there's been so much advancement and, of course, so much maturity. One of the biggest issues that I faced just being in an agency recently at the secretary's level is the access to data. And so I know the report talks about self-service data and how far off are we until we really have self-service data where anyone in the agency can access it and use it in a meaningful way. I think if you're going to pursue that goal, that you have to have a clear definition of roles and responsibilities and data usage. Uh, you know, the biggest fear that people have when they're exchanging data is that people will interpret it incorrectly mm -hmm. or will use it inappropriately. And those are things that you have to address through your governance structure. It's not an easy task. Uh, but we have to do it for cybersecurity purposes, too. So it's almost a, a double-edged sword to make sure that the right people are, are getting the access that they need to perform their particular role and that the data is not uh, being used outside of that purview. But Jennifer, I would assume that you have heard anecdotally in your research about ways that that was happening. Yeah, so the leaders at CFPB have an interesting perspective on this. because They're such a new organization, and so they were able to set up their analytics group while this big data boom is happening. So it's not like they existed prior to that. So they kind of 
knew when they were setting up the CFPB that they were going to be using data as part of their, it was going to be essential for their decision making. So the way that their analytics group is structured is that they serve as essentially an in-house consulting service for folks in the agency, and they develop self-service tools such that employees across the organization can visualize data, analyze data, and then the folks in the analytics group assist them with those tasks. And this seems to have worked really well. It's promoted data literacy across the organization. Folks feel like the analysts aren't gatekeepers to data, but rather there's a feeling of transparency and a feeling like anyone can be a part of the uh, of building evidence for decision making. I'm really interested in your finding about data quality. I know this is a survey and that people's perceptions were inventoried, I guess, but government's data is, you know, famously inaccurate, incomplete. You know, I think some the, some of the experiences with the pandemic, being able to find, and Johns Hopkins is at the forefront of providing um, a source of data and data analytics that the government couldn't itself provide. And, you know, we've got plenty of examples of where goals have been set that cause perverse incentives and that the data provided is you know, at best mistaken, and at worst, it's fraudulent. So what can you say about the state of data quality and steps that agencies can take to ensure that the data that they're using is uh, timely, accurate, and reliable? It's a very good question, and I'm sure it does vary from one policy area to the next, and I completely agree that the pandemic has highlighted significant gaps in our data collection in health and certainly in education, we know that there was not enough data collected in terms of understanding where in-person schooling for, was happening, mm -hmm. for example. But at least for the folks who responded to our survey, I think there is a feeling that the data that we are collecting is in good shape and it's in better shape than it has been in, in previous years. And by that, I mean, it's, it's easier to share from one agency to the next. It's easier to merge data sets now because they're being stored and collected in more user-friendly manners. So the data that I think is being collected and stored, it, it it's more accurate than it has been and it's more usable. And this is giving analysts space to focus more of their efforts on making sense of that data. And over the past few years, so much time has been spent amassing data. And now the government has so much of it and we're just really not using it that as best we can, we're not taking advantage of all the data that's been collected. So I think analysts are trying to now m move to a, a point where they are spending their time making sense of the data, using it for good rather than just collecting it. But you're certainly right that that's not to say there are not big gaps that have been left and we shouldn't focus all of the attention on analytics and ignore gaps in data collection that exist and that are problematic. One of the things I'd like to add is the more you use the data and the more it circles through the analytic structure and also gets used very effectively in decision making, that there's an uptick in the uh, attention that people pay to the types of data they collect, the way they collect it, and the standards that they use to be able to promulgate it to multiple areas. And just by virtue of the fact that you're you're using it over time, uh, the quality is enhanced uh, because people know that you are going to be uh, making decisions based on uh, this particular set of data. They're going to pay attention to it. Jen, can we talk a little bit more about people? I know you mentioned in the survey and in the report about human capital, 
um, open certifications for hiring? And what are some of the best practices that we can use across the agencies to really create a data-centric workforce? Of course, we have a couple of the job series, the new job series for data scientists. Um, But what about the line employee in a CFO office or the accountant? What type of training could we offer to, or, or what type of requirements could we require in some of the um, job announcements and job postings that will really drive data? Yeah, in terms of recruitment, my sense is that folks in the field who have training in this area, they want to be at a place where they're going to be able to advance their career. So they want to be at a place where they can use the tools that are on the cutting edge, that are sort of the standard in the field of data science. They want to have access to those tools. And that requires an investment um, by the agency in terms of cloud computing and software and making sure staff have access to that. In addition, they want to have access to training. So they want to be able to develop their skills as they move forward, as we all can appreciate that the field of data science does not stand still. There's always some new tool to learn, some advance in Um, especially in AI. So I think folks want to feel like they will be able to move forward as data scientists and as analysts in their organization. And there's a perception out there that there's more opportunity for that in the private sector. But I think that's, it is increasingly true that those opportunities are in the public, they're in the public sector as well. Um, So highlighting those um, would be helpful for recruitment. And similarly, in terms of retention, um, making trainings available, tools available, Um, And then in terms of what kind of goes into a job posting and kind of connecting open positions with the growing field of analysts who are out there, I mean, it would be great, I think, if there were more partnerships between the federal government and universities, more job fairs, better flow of uh, job postings so that more job postings that are available are reaching folks like myself in positions such that I can distribute it to my students. So it would be nice to find better ways to connect new analysts or, or people who are recently trained in this area with um, agencies that have openings. Yeah, and you know, Jennifer also is taking on at Johns Hopkins the ability to educate some of our more senior leaders at the executive level as to the value provided by data analytics and what its actual leverage can provide for them. And only then do they understand the importance of building this cadre of analysts within their own organizations. So I think that's also key. She talked briefly about data literacy aspect. Well, it's data literacy at whatever level that you operate, but it's different how much you need to to know and what you need to know at each level. Jen, you mentioned partnership between government and universities, research institutions. The Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act requires and agencies are complying with producing learning agendas and evaluation plans. The theory being publishing those would invite the ecosystem of researchers, analysts, to help government agencies answer those questions. Is that part of the answer to the supply of talent, the shortage of of talent that the government has? That does seem helpful. I think there's a lot of variation in terms of the extent to which the act has been implemented across agencies. At least that's what we found in our surveys. We asked folks, to what extent has your organization implemented the act? And there was just a lot of variation. So I think as, uh, and of course, there's been OMB guidance that has come out uh, recently in, in terms of how to implement the act. So I think as more agencies implement the practices that are prescribed in the act, 
I think these kinds of relationships and partnerships, it, it seems like will grow and there'll be, there'll be more of an, an infrastructure for establishing these relationships between, hopefully between higher education and the federal government. I really appreciated the statistic in your study that 64% of the respondents said that colleagues are their customer. And so when we're focused on customer experience, could you comment on how uh, we can really provide the very best customer experience for our colleagues? And then a follow-on comment and question is around shifting those numbers to providing more information and more data to the public. And how do we view the public as our customer? And is it possible through um, this work, evidence-based policy, that we can continue to build um, trust with the American public? That was a brief question. (laughs) so i think that in terms of building trust i think self-service can be quite valuable both within an organization and with the public so when we talk about self-service tools that might be a dashboard that's both internal to the agency but they're they're we're seeing with the open data movement more dash dashboards that make data and analytical tools available to the public as well so i think when the public sees that more data is available to them and they can analyze the same data that analysts in an agency are analyzing, then that's going to build trust because they're able to essentially hold the folks who are in those positions of power in government accountable. And that might also help address some of the um, accuracy issues that you had mentioned. If uh, if analysts in government know that th- their work is going to essentially be checked by the public, then that might help them to uh, develop better uh, better analyses and ensure that the data is is of the highest quality. And I would connect it back to the recent the customer experience uh, executive order and the fact that most agencies are being challenged in improving their customer experience, especially those that deal so readily with the public, like the IRS, like SBA, et cetera. Though there is a laundry list of agencies that have been mentioned in that EO and things they need to focus on and improve. I would say that that data is the one aspect of customer experience that has not been leveraged as well as it could be in terms of being able to get feedback from the public in their experience with the uh, dealing with the agency. Was their expectation met? Did they actually receive the service that they contracted for in the first place? And was it easy to move through the process? Those kinds of analytics are going to be absolutely critical to improving that capability. And just to follow up, I think there are also some landmines that agencies are going to have to be careful about, you know, especially in the realm of AI. I believe the IRS, for example, was considering implementing a facial recognition tool to verify folks' identities, and there was a lot of pushback. The public was not comfortable with this, and they, have, I, I think, res- backed off away from that idea. So, you know, especially in terms of, of AI tools, I think the government needs to tread carefully in order to maintain trust in their efforts. We could go on and on. Thanks for this meaty contribution to driving agencies toward, you know, better evidence-based policymaking. You've made an enormous contribution. And both of you, thanks for being on FedHeads. Thanks for being willing to share it with our listeners. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast brought to you by GuideHouse.